Hello and welcome to Tell Us Your Effin' Story, a podcast by franchisors for franchisors that goes behind the scenes with some of the most interesting characters in the Australian franchising sector. I'm your host, Bruce McFarlane, with my co-host, John Sully. Today, we're speaking to Kate. Kate's the CEO of Spud Bar, which is also the founder of BusyBox and a serial entrepreneur, lots of things that, um, that she's done over the journey. So looking forward to hearing more about Kate. Now, Kate, yes. Effing Story is not what you think it is. It's <laughs> franchising story, okay? Oh, so I don't right. know where your mind went, if it's yeah. a dirty mind or anything like that, but that's not what it means. <laughs> that's what I thought it was, but anyway. <laughs> um, so start from the beginning. Tell us tell us the full story. We're born, parents, blah, 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 all that really cool stuff. All right. Um, you asked for it. <laughs> Hit us. So I grew up southeast Melbourne. Um, in Endeavour Hills, yep. actually. Um, pretty, I don't know, standard uh, grow, grow life mm. growing up. Um, mum and dad both worked. Uh, the good thing was mum um, did night shift and every third week dad did night shift. So me and my brother um, would have lots of, I guess, house parties in our teens. <laughs> <and> <laughs> that worked out all right. What was, did they do? What were their, what was the... Uh, so mum's a nurse, yep. or was a nurse, uh, and dad um, was a printer. So he did shift work, working on a press. Yeah, right. Uh, which, yeah, not many of those jobs around no, now no. these days. Um, so, yeah, it was very much, um, I guess, me and my older brother. He's uh, two years older than me. Shorter than me now, which I just like to put in there because I know he's going to listen to this. Um, it was, uh, I know it was a very much um, independent upbringing. You know, we get home, go outside, ride our bikes till it was dark, come home, go to bed, kind of kind yep. of thing. So, um, you know, we walked to school every day, walked home from school every day. Um, you know, mum and dad, you know, saved up and took us on great holidays, um, and. Yeah, to me, I guess it's just a very kind of normal Australian upbringing. Yeah, um, cool. High school was a bit different, I guess, later in high school. So, say year 9, 10, 11, um, really found out that it wasn't for me. Um, I started working at McDonald's when I was 15 uh, and absolutely loved it um, and kind of went to high school for the social life. Um, and then went to, went to Macca's to, um, yeah, happily be told what to do, um, uh, and get paid. Um, and yeah, I've, I worked out soon that that's, that's what I really wanted to do. I didn't really enjoy school. Um, I was asked to leave, uh, in year 10, uh, for... <laughs> because you were failing or because you did something bad? Um, just because I didn't turn up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really fail anything. I just didn't, you know... Yeah, you probably did fail if you knew that you were... <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> so who asked you to leave? The, 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 like the school? The school, yeah. Yep. So I had a meeting with the um, assistant principal um, and I think it was when um, VCAL programs were, were starting to be a thing in high school. So I went and did a program called The View Program where I worked two days a week and went into a special class um, which was even worse for me, I think, um, and my attention span than what normal school was. Um, but yeah, I, I made it through year 12. 
um, for the sole goal to beat my brother's TER score. <laughs> and God, it's not that you're competitive. <laughs> He's already got two mentions. He's yeah, thrown it under the bus early. Taking growth hormones to get taller than him. Yeah. Um, Did you beat him? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Good. Yep. Of course. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great TI. It was below 50. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yes. But by that point, you know, I was working at McDonald's three shifts a week. Um, and that's not what I wanted to do, but that's what I enjoy doing at the time. So yeah. um, end of year 12, I applied for um, a few TAFEs um, for random courses um, and got got a, approved and could have gone to TAFE, um, but you know, I was enjoying making money. I was in, you know, I had a really good friendship circle at McDonald's, got along with the managers. Um, so I decided to stay at McDonald's. I started doing night shift, um, closing the store four nights a week. So Sunday to Thursday nights, oh, gosh. Um, I'd do five till midnight, well, mainly, mainly because on... Friday, Saturday nights, I was free, and then I didn't have to go back to work till Sunday afternoon, so I could party all weekend and then still <laughs> go to work and work. So you were developing strategies early I on. Was, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I like it. Definitely. The goal was to party, um, and we definitely did that. Oh, that. Well, that's good. And your mum, yes. obviously, growing up in a family, your mum and dad are working hard and working night shifts and stuff like that, so you've got the work ethic that you've mm. taken on, but yeah. also... Also knew how to have a good time as well, so not, it wasn't all about work. No, not all about work. But we we were my brother and I were told that you know you you can leave school, that's fine, but you need to have a full time job. So you're either going to school, or have a full time job. There's no you're not going to sit around the house all day and, and do nothing. We're not going to support you if mm. that's what you want to do. So it was yeah, it was work yeah, um, after school. Did you do any study after that then, or no, no, no? I didn't do any study um, until later in my twenties. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess partied for a few years yeah. at Macca's yeah. um, and then um, was asked if I wanted to join the management team. So if I wanted to start to do the management courses and everything, um, they did tell me that I had to stop partying <laughs> if, that's, <laughs> if that's what I wanted to do. So, okay, that's fine. I was, you know... Um, Nineteen twenty at this point, so I became a manager when I was twenty, um, and I must say um, the parties in McDonald's were a lot bigger than what I ever had outside <laughs> of McDonald's. Yeah. They definitely know how to how to throw one um, back in the the early two thousands. So that's pretty impressive at twenty, though. Yeah, it was. Um, it's I don't know. They just prepare you for it. Right. You know, it's you, you become an employee and then it's like, oh, you could be um, a crew trainer. So you're like, okay, I'll work towards a crew trainer. Oh, okay, you could be a shift assistant. Oh, okay, cool. I'll, you know, it's just it's little steps along the way and then you yeah. don't realise that, you know, you've been there 12 years and now you're an area manager or, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so it's it's not as daunting. You don't think it's daunting at the time because that's just what everyone else is doing or your friends be, are becoming managers or they're leaving and, mm. you know, going to uni and doing their own thing. Um, but, yeah, when you yeah you, you look at your friends, you're like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So you're at a fran working for a franchisee at this point? I was or? working for Macopco, so the company yeah, okay. at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, through my career at McDonald's, I did kind of flip in and out. 
of um, a licensee or my yep. co. Um, but yeah, definitely did all of my management training while I was still with the company. Yeah. And people always say that when you're looking at a CV and you see Maccas on it, it's a massive tick. Yeah. Because they, it gives you that structure and that process and the understanding of it. Yeah. Um, so you obviously agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's funny because when you're in it, you don't see it because it's all you know. Like I was straight out of high school, straight into McDonald's. This is, you know, how you get trained. This is the system. This is what you follow. This is what you do. Um, it's not until you leave and you kind of go somewhere else where it doesn't have that structure, all those expectations, all the training, where you're just like, oh, wow, is this how the rest of the world's working? Yeah. <laughs> you just you just assume that everyone's got their shit together because McDonald's does. Yeah. Um, so what sort of training? So you did some formal training as well as obviously on the job training with Maccas? Yeah. So um, every, I guess, McDonald's course that they put you through, um, which is kind of in line with... Um, the diploma courses, so you, you cert three, cert four, um, diploma, advanced diploma, um, they're all kind of in line with that structure as well. But it's, um, yeah, as, you know, a trainee manager or assistant manager, trainee manager, um, first assistant and then store manager. So every time you kind of want to get promoted, you need to go do one of their courses, which is... It, I know it's different now, but for us, it was, you know, a week in the head office training and then the biggest folder of work you have ever seen that you need to do that at least takes a minimum of six months. to. And to given your, your love of study, that would have been great for you. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that folders were passed around to each other to have a look at, um, but it was a, definitely a supportive environment when you wanted to go to a course. Yeah, yeah that era's version of AI. Yes, yes. Copy that one down. Very I am good. enjoying AI at the moment, yeah, I must admit. <laughs> so how long there for? How long at Macca's? So 12 years altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I did leave for a year and went over to England and did the backpacking and working yep. in a pub and um, oh, travel hey. Europe and, and Africa By and yourself? Egypt and all of that. Um, I followed a boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, he went over there for cricket and then about four or five months after he was there, I went over. Um, we didn't meet up again for a few more months after I was there. Um, right. but yes, we spent most of our traveling time together. Where did he play cricket? Uh, it was just a small English town. Right. Um, but over here, he was obviously He played handy. over here. Um, I think they, yeah, I think they had like, like a, a say like a sister yeah. team, but yeah, it's, yeah. Probably that's probably the female version of it. It's like yeah, a, mm. yeah, um, yeah. So he just applied and yeah went yeah, over that's there. Great. So yeah, it was a bit of bit of a adventure. Yeah. So I took a year off and then came back absolutely broke. Did you work over there at all? Or? Yeah, I did two jobs. So I worked. Um, I was managing a cafe during the day and then working at a pub at night time. In London. In yeah, yeah, just just out of London in Clapham Clapham yep. Junction. A little bit of a rough area, but it's... and then home to bed early, no partying <laughs> yeah, yeah. or anything. No partying, like no nothing, no. nothing. Very responsible <laughs> by this point in my life. Yes, yeah. good, good girl. Thank <laughs> you. And, and Bullshit. You, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and you've uh, and came back and did you come straight back and go back into McDonald's or is this where you had the other? I did come yeah. straight back into McDonald's because I was absolutely broke. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I was actually um, store manager of the Doveton store 24 hours and if anyone knows Doveton it's a very rough area yeah um 
I went to school in the suburb next to that, so didn't feel too rough for me. Um, and a lot of my friends were in that area anyway, but it was, you know, we'd have police there every couple of nights or burgers right. thrown at me or yep. death threats um, from um, junkies and, and that type of thing. Oh, crap. It's um, lovely. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Surprising there was a job vacancy for that. Yeah, yeah came, I know. <laughs> Everyone yeah. wanted it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> highly sought after. Um, but, yeah, so after after I came back, I uh, went and completed my um, certificate floor and training assessment. So I wanted to get into training at that point. Um, and then I was able to move into my MBA. So after after you've been at McDonald's, I think at that time it was like four years from a store manager position and above, um, you could walk into your um, master's in business as with um, Ballarat Uni. Um, you had to pay for it, uh, but the, the pathway was there through McDonald's. Wow. So by this point I was, you know, 27-ish years old um, and thought, what a great idea. I hated school. Let's go do a master's <laughs> degree. <laughs> Sounds easy. Yeah. So how far did you do? Complete? I finished. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, but I did find that um, McDonald's was way too full on um, to also study a master's degree. So at at McDonald's, you're, you're either all in or you're not in. Um, and I was well. I'm not going to be all in. I I really want to get my MBA. Um, I never thought that that would be something that I would be able to achieve. Mm. Um, so I did move into training. I went and worked for a training company called Selma, um, which they were offering certificate two and three um, in retail and their clients were McDonald's licensees. So we had customized training that I would go out and, and do training for McDonald's um, licensees. So it was very much, you know, in my comfort zone still. Um, but was very flexible work arrangements where I could still study and complete my MBA, um, which I did. Hooray. And did your brother do that? And if so, no. did you beat him? <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> Good work. And so, and someone was an entrepreneur run by an entrepreneur and entrepreneurial yes. business. So yes, Marcus yeah. is um, amazing and crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, very, very interesting I guess company dynamic moving from McDonald's yeah, where that's everyone's thinking, yeah. kind of structured. Yes, to um, entrepreneurial. Yes, to a very entrepreneur, um, which was it was great to to learn from him um, and see how you know things can be done a different way. Um, what, sorry, what business was that? Selma, it's called. Yeah, Selma Selmart. Institute of Education. Selma. Right. Selma. So I don't think they're around and they sold anymore. It, didn't they? Sold it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So. Um, Mar yeah, so Marcus was involved in entrepreneurs' organisation. So um, okay. back in the day when he ran that business. So yeah, so what sort of learnings did you get from Marcus in sort of being an entrepreneur? Because obviously, you, you're not you're just an employee in your previous roles, yeah. um, having never owned a business. And it's not like your mum didn't own a business and dad, dad didn't own a business. So you know, what sort of things did you learn at that point? I think it was more. Um, it's it's okay to go outside the box. So McDonald's was great for systems and structure and this is how we do it and this is how we're always going mm. to do it. Um, but it doesn't teach you how to think for yourself um, and back yourself. Whereas, you know, I, I go to Selma, which is 
there was there was definitely structure and and organization and everything, but it moved fast and you could make decisions and make a decision on Friday and by Monday that's what we were doing kind of thing. Um, and you can see the decision-making process, whereas at McDonald's you don't see the decision-making process. You're just like, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, really interesting to see a completely different type of brain that I would never saw at McDonald's before. Did you like that? Yeah, I did. I was like, oh, who's who's this guy? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I guess at the start I was like, oh, but can we do it like that? Like, why can we do it like that? And then it just went, why can't we do it like that? Why does it have to be so regimented and take six months to approve something and and change and so, so like on like a lot of entrepreneurs, he's got an appetite for risk. Yes, and he's prepared to fail and prepared to have a crack. And so, you know, but things don't always go right. So, did you see some of those things play out? Yeah, definitely did. And I I, I guess McDonald's is there's a lot of ego in McDonald's. There's a lot of competing for roles and against each other and your friends and. There's, it's a lot of ego, whereas so so no one wants to fail, and if you do fail, it's it's shameful almost because how how could you not do that job? And um, so seeing someone that was kind of it's okay to fail, let's take a risk, um, and and that's okay. And he he had supportive people around him that wouldn't judge him for that either. So it was kind of like it was a whole different team dynamic. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was great to be able to see that. Uh, I'd never seen that before. So what did, I, um, what, what did he, what did he do? Like what, what's, he was, was it a training course? Yeah. So right. they were like an RTO. So running training, registered training organization yeah. right. that would provide training for, um, in hospitality, reta- yeah. retail yeah. as well. Retail, hospitality, yeah. childcare, aged care. Government funded and training. other businesses yeah. as well? We or just that? Right, since, yeah, okay. yeah. But at that time, I think he was—he was like it was pretty established when I got there. But I think he's kind of taken it all to a next level yeah, since right. I've moved on. Yeah. And how long were you there for? Uh, I think I was there for about two and a half years. While you were while studying. I did my MBA. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And then around that time, so is this when? So the when are the kids come into the mix? So the kids are probably. Five years away like, still. Oh, so you've got yeah. oh, so Spud Bar next. Yeah, well, I went back to McDonald's for yep. a year. Yep. Um, because it was well, I went to Serena Russell for two weeks. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks, which may not be found on my resume <laughs> or LinkedIn profile anywhere. So what's so two weeks? How did you make two it? weeks? I did you get sacked in two weeks. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I stayed three weeks, <laughs> I just I realised what it was wasn't the role for me. Um, it was uh, it was kind of like an account manager role, yeah. which is similar to what I was doing at Selma um, at that time. But I just realised that um, a compu- like living in a, a front of a computer and paperwork and I guess the office every day with the same people just wasn't for me. Yeah. So two weeks I was out. So how did that conversation go? <laughs> it was like a, a thanks but no thanks. <laughs> Jeez. Surprising, Sorry. considering you love school so much yeah. that you yeah. wouldn't like that sort of job. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? And yeah. so then, is that where? So then I went to I went to Macca's, back, back to, to Macca's, Macca's for a year. Um, they keep having you back. They yeah, yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is yeah for a different a different licensee. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, and then and then it was Spud Bar. Mm. So at Macca's, obviously, it is a big corporate, and you're working at head office as well as licensees. But sort of your early impressions of the franchise model. Um, yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. Um, working for a few different licensees, and I guess seeing how, I guess previously being with head office, but then seeing how head office would then impact the licensees and head office visits and um, the compliance side of things and, and you know, some of the whinging yep. uh, from a licensee point of view. Well, because you've um, been on both sides of it. Yeah. So you were the whinger at some time and being whinged about at others. Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> Whingy. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be my life right now. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was definitely, yeah, really, yeah, I guess part of my life right from the start. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when I actually, for the first two years of my McDonald's life was actually with a licensee and, you know, he'd drive his Ferrari and he'd have, um, you know, the bright red sneakers on and the, um, you know, have, have all his face done and like, it was, well, they, it was a lot, it was the high life. Like well, he was, then, he was like living. A, he was, I, it's, so it's what the same year is this? Now. What are you sort of talking so about? 99? Yeah. Right. Okay. 98, so they're, they're, 99. They're making good money, the, the licensees, aren't they? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a different girlfriend every couple of months. Oh, oh yeah, you got to see all that. No yeah, yeah, parties. we got to see all of it. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, so, then head office took over, I think, 2000 in that store. And then it was... A bit different. It was a lot different. Yeah, and that's, I guess, when my management career started. They took the store back from the franchisee, yes. from the licensee. Yes. Yeah, he had, he had three and was going through a divorce. Funny enough, right? Um, and yeah, they that one went back to head office. Yeah, right. So and that so that year there, and then the Spud Bar. Yeah. So in that's a, like two thousand. No, no, no. That was that was right at the start. That was that was when I was fifteen. Oh, the, that, that the rich, oh, the really rich guy. He yeah. was when I was fifteen. Oh, yeah. got, okay, got so it. So then, two thousand and twelve, um, you started Spud Bar. Yes. Yeah, as in an in an ops role. As area manager. Yeah. So as area manager, I was the only full-time employee yep. um, and reported directly to uh, Simon, yep. who's yeah, the franchisor or one of the franchisors yep. um, at the time. So, um, How many stores at that point? Six. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so Simon and, and, and the founder were still involved at no, the time? No, the founder had, had already moved left. on. Yeah. Yep. So it was Simon and Ant. Yeah. Bought out um, the founder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely different to what I'd known at McDonald's. Um, I think, um, I think the plan was that Simon was going to be more in the business. Um, in my first week that I started, they opened their first bounce. So, um, it, and it just, it just went crazy. So I think, um, I never actually saw Ant at his desk in the office and Simon, you know, very briefly in those first couple of weeks, and then it was just bounce, kind of took over. So they both uh, their had time. Bounce. They were yeah. both yeah. yeah. So they're the founders there. Um, right. Simon had previously had a juice business that he'd sold into Boost and was CEO of Boost for a while. So he'd had sort of startup through to large franchise system experience. Um, but you've now. So it was great to have. Someone who's got that experience. Oh, it was to amazing. Work from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's been my mentor for the yeah. last ten years, um, and I don't know if it was the plan, but I definitely had a lot of room to to grow and to try things and take risks and be supported. Um, so yes, yeah, so yeah, it's 
absolutely amazing time for me at Spud Bar. So you didn't. So it sounds like you're thrown in a little bit because he was. They had a, a pretty big was, business going on <laughs> over here. That there are uh, and and Spud Bar was the sort of almost the poorer cousin in the uh, yeah. that they were doing because they've got bounce just went gangbusters yeah. early days. So, um, but that was I guess lots of learning for you, like. You know, had to make your own mistakes because you're actually in there making decisions. Yeah. In a sort of, you weren't the GM, but you ended up being GM, I'm guessing, <laughs> by default. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, it was very much, for, for me, it was very much sink or swim to start with. Uh, you know, I had unhappy franchisees. Um, I had okay. some underperforming company stores, but had great people in them. Um, and we wanted to grow. Um, I, we had, um, Matt Wilkinson was also um, one of the shareholders, um, the Melbourne chef. Uh, so I was working with him on um, menu design and, and new products and, and that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of like everything happening at once. Um, and my support was obviously Simon, um, who I could call at any time and he'd always listen to me whinge. Um, but I had a, a part-time bookkeeper and a part-time accountant. Right. Um, so. And were, there, were any of the stores trading well? Was there, I mean. Yeah, most most of the stores were making money. Right. Um, that we didn't really have, um, I guess, the competition that we do these days mm-hmm. um, in that kind of quick service restaurant field. Um, so, so yeah, the, the stores were, yeah, were really performing, still had some unhappy franchisees cause I guess, you know, they had probably not getting the love. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they didn't feel like they'd been listened to and, you know, it was, it was still, uh, at that point, I think it was 10 years old, but to these franchisees, it still felt like a very young company. Like, uh, you know, we still hadn't kind of established ourselves. So the franchisees, um, definitely felt like they had a really big voice in in this company. So of the six, how many were franchised? Um, I think there was, we had two company. So, so four, four, four. Yeah, four. And then I think. And were they all different franchisees? So there were four individuals or? or yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. And now? Um, now we've got 23. Yep. Um, we've got. Uh, I think there's three or four of them that have Multi. multis, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they're looking for their thirds um, at the moment. Um, no company stores anymore. Right. Uh, we did. We That's did take. Good. We did take a few back after and during COVID. Yeah. Um, but we we yeah been able to um, increase those sales and move um, them on. Move them on. Yeah. 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 So. That's a really critical stage, isn't it? Six stores to get to the 23. Yeah. What was the path for that? Um, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was um, It was kind of like we need to get the, the systems set up before we can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, you know, our menu wasn't overly costed. Um, so we were still kind of going off like this cafe style um, menu, I guess, you know, like, um, you know, a a lot of kind of different specials and the menu kind of always rotate in. Um, 
so we we decided, you know, we're just going to do four specials a year and the menu stays as is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if we have a high-performing special, then that's what we put on the menu and we take something off that is underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that kind of structure... Um, I did. I did come in and say, "Okay, so where do we send the um, store managers for training?" <laughs> and everyone else laughed too. So. <laughs> okay, this is. <laughs> so you tried to bring some of the McDonald's stuff in, and obviously resources are a lot different yes. in a very small business. So yep. you learned the the entrepreneurial uh, mm. way to grow a business quickly. Yes. You're the yes. only person standing in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Training meant you. Yeah. Definitely did. you. Recruitment, you. Yeah. Yeah. New store openings. Yay. <laughs> ne- lease negotiations. Yeah. I, at that time, Simon. I didn't really, yeah, Simon was still looking after, I yep. guess, some of that high level, um, the high level stuff. And he was still signing off on the franchisees that I was interviewing yep. as well. Um, yeah, so he still definitely still had his finger in the pie. Um, but yeah, the, the day-to-day stuff. Um, but that, like, uh, and you don't need to give away any family secrets or anything, but the GPs, I thought, on that business would be fucking brilliant. They, they, they're pretty good. Mm. Um, but when you add, I guess, the hot meat toppings, right. um, that's, I guess, the most expensive part of the meal. Uh, our wastage is always really low because mm. at the end of the day, all you wasted is potato. Potatoes, yeah. Um, and not much at all. Um, but yeah, some of some of the ingredients that we put on that we want at that high quality, um, oh, you obviously pay for it. Mm. And the labour is low in labour. It is low in labour. We can generally run, um, you know, say say an average store, you know, two people over lunch. Yep. Uh, two employees, maybe three. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's it's great for an owner operator. Right. They're, you know, anyone that's an owner operator that's in their stores, they're the ones that run the best. Right. Because uh, you know they need, they might need one, you know, eighteen year old for three hours over lunch, and they can do the open till close, and then they might have another one on it at night time for dinner. So if you could say four or five things that you did during that that journey to get it from, well, all of you, but to get it from six to 23, what were the big ones? I think um, the first one's definitely systemising the operations and not only systemising the operations, but being really smart on how you deliver that to your franchisees. So I knew that most of the time being the only full-time employee, um, that I can't get to every store every week. It's just, it's impossible for me to do that. <clears throat> so I had to use technology. So one, one of the best things I ever did was, um, and Josh is going to love this, <laughs> um, is implementing OpCentral into my business because I could create training videos and put it on there and I could use that as getting to the team members, not only the franchisees. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for me, that's that's probably the biggest thing that changed the way that uh, I communicate to the franchisees and get information to them. So that, that was huge um, for, for something that we implemented into mm-hmm. Spud Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the, the menu design and how we create new menu products and where... You know, we we have an idea, and eight weeks later, we could almost have it in store. Yep. So we're very we me yeah. 
very efficient. Who's we? <laughs> <laughs> the royal we. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a we now. It's a, it's a we now. And, you know, I, I had two kids during my time at Spud Bar, so um, I did have to hire people for when I went on my 10 weeks maternity leave. Yeah. Uh, each time. Yeah. So <laughs> I did open a store while um, I had a baby in hand. I think she was uh, maybe five weeks old, um, opening the store and then going to the toilets to breastfeed and then coming back out um, and going back to work while my husband wow. at the time would just walk the kids around um, Frankston Shopping Centre. But I tell you, builders definitely do what you want them to do when you're either pregnant or uh, <laughs> yeah. child in tow. So <laughs> it's you get very angry. Yeah, maybe that was it. <laughs> it's, like a, it's a it's not a strategy that you know I recommend, but it's definitely one that gets get shit done. <laughs> yeah. They only have to look into your eyes. And say, Do not stuff around with this woman. You are. Um, and so the yeah, the business has chugged along, it's grown, you've gone, but it also has had some setbacks. You've had, you know, you've picked franchisees that weren't necessarily the right people and, you know, so how have you had to deal with those those yeah. learnings as well? Yeah. And I think um it 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 was all very stable. Um you know, you get one bad franchisee, you can kind of manage them, you manage them out, um, you know, sell their store, get a better franchisee in. COVID really highlighted for us the ones that work in their store and are dedicated to the system and the ones that kind of just tinker um, in and out of their store and it may not be their first priority. Um, so we we had huge lessons during COVID Um I had stepped out of the business for a few years. Um, I'd replaced myself and, and stepped out, um, which is when I went to work for Franchise Council of Australia. Um, the the GM that I replaced myself with, he left within about six months of COVID. Um, so I stepped back into the business part-time, um, mainly because, you know, we had half our stores closed. Um, we didn't need yeah. a full-time uh, GM. So, yeah, when once I've kind of step back in and speaking to the franchisees again and and really helping them stay afloat that that's that was our only goal during COVID was helping them stay afloat um that you know we did have the odd franchisee um abandoned store and and leave for a, a wedding in Pakistan and never come back um and we we hold head leases at that point on pretty much every store uh so that's guess how we did inherit some stores um over COVID um so yeah there was there was a few lessons that we learned I guess about risk in the business um that I guess we yeah we just weren't aware of before COVID uh that you know this is something that would that could happen. So how many did you lose throughout that? We we closed one that was at the end of lease Mm -hmm. um and we were paying, we we're paying about a hundred on the rent for that one, and Westfield wanted to put it up to one hundred and fifty during COVID. Um, so we we bowed out to that and thought that's probably not a good idea. Um, so we closed that store, unfortunately. Uh, we the Founding Gate store, uh, yeah. which. You're a franchisee, is that your? I was a franchisee. Yeah, yeah that was your store. <laughs> my, my brother and I. Yeah, yeah, my brother and I, we were franchisees of that store. Um, yeah, the people that we sold it to, um, they're the ones that went to Pakistan and, and never came back. 
So, sorry, just just on that franchisee part. So, um, you were talking before about the successful franchisors were the uh, franchisees were the ones that were in the stores. Yeah. But how much were you and your brother able to be in the store there? Um, not full time. Yeah. But we were there. Like I was there every weekend. Yeah. Um, and he was there during the week. Um, he also has his own business as well, um, as a pest controller. So, yeah, we just kind of juggled it. Between yep. us, and we had yeah, we had a really good team in there. Um, so you made it work. You got financially, it was going okay. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might put that in the. the Let, co- let's let's revert back to the uh, the stores work best with yeah. the owner operator in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> comment. Um, and all, look, and around this time, so you so you've got your part time in general manager role. Yes, you've also took on a gyms business as well. So you're the a regional um, yes. master franchisee, is that what they call so it? So my brother and I were um, regional franchisors for Jim's yep. Dog Wash. Yep. So we um, had two regions in Melbourne, so over in the west and then... Um, we had a few phone calls. The, you and I were both commuting from one side of the We city. were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way over there from the outer east. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It's a great area, though, for growth. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then regional Victoria as well. So yep. uh, lots of road trips. And so obviously a very well-established franchise system that um, you, you could learn something from in terms of how they did things and also probably didn't share the same values as you um, in, yeah. in, in how they <laughs> supported their franchisees. Yeah, I think. Um, so, look, I, I think the system itself is a, a, a really good system. Yeah. Um, for me, though, it's one of those systems that it really depends on the people in the system running it. Um, that is, is what's probably going to affect your experience while you're there. Uh, we... We joined gyms with four franchisees. Um, two of them weren't signed up correctly, so we had to um, support them in, in moving on. Um, and then we, we sold it with 14 franchisees in two years. Um, and pretty much all of our franchisees were, were making pretty good, pretty good income each week. Um, I think um, I, I loved it because it was mainly females that we would sign up um, and they were generally females that were either single parents or um, either kind of later in life looking for a career change or early 20s that didn't really know what they wanted to do. Um, But you could see they had this great work ethic about them. And love dogs. And love dogs. (laughs) They all love dogs. (laughs) So... um, yeah, I, I think um, the the experience for me was um, it kind of highlighted, I guess, the the level of compliance that I have for franchising. Um, it you know it was a bit different, um, and I, I think it kind of goes back to my McDonald's days where things can be black and white. Like this is how you do things. This is not how you do things. Um, kind of took took place. So yeah, there was there was a bit of a clash about what we agreed should should be in place and not in place. Um, so yeah, we we sold out um, maybe just at the start of COVID. Mm-hmm. 
for the timing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it <laughs> was. Right? <laughs> um, and you took a role at the FCA, so you got to work across the industry body and yes. um, work with uh, as in a business development role or membership management role, so working with franchisors across the country. So how did you enjoy that role? Yeah, look, I actually I really enjoyed that role and um, I was I was there during COVID as well, so I was the one that took a lot of the phone calls on, you know, I can't open my business, um, you know, is there government funding, um, you know, do I have, I'd have franchisors call, you know, do I have to charge my franchisees a fee while we're closed? You know, I, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it because I felt like I was giving back to mm. the industry um, and I loved the team uh, that I worked with there and it was kind of something different every day, you know, there'd be an event or, you know, the National Franchising Conference or an expo, um, or, you know, something will come out in the media or, you know, that, that type of stuff. Um, and then just supporting members and trying to give members more um, of kind of your value out of their membership. Tough time. I mean, it, it's all new shit and you've got to be making decisions. Yeah. And be very, very well informed. Yes. Yeah. How'd you do that? Um, a lot of it I was like... Mary, <laughs> handball, um, and look, and some of the the operational stuff, you know, is from that at that point just kind of comes naturally these mm. days, um, and you know, supporting franchisees and uh, and helping them. So I guess that that side was pretty easy for me. I think it was great for the actual industry body to have someone who'd been a, a franchisee. Yeah. was a franchisor, was currently actually still a franchisor, an owner of a franchise business at that mm. stage. You'd already had some part ownership and CEO role at Spud Bar. Yeah. Um, so had seen all the different layers, so actually understanding it. it. Yeah. Um, so I think that was really good. Mm. And then you also decided to start a business as well just after that. So Yeah, so let's let's do a startup in COVID. Yeah. That was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so you thought, oh, yeah. Oh, well, actually, you had a couple of, there were a couple of other ideas that you were going to do with Matt and others, yeah? yeah. yeah so you had a yeah. few concepts. You've been, you know, deriving concepts both in food and outside food. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've, you know, st I've still got a folder at home yeah. that still has, yeah. Hairbrain schemes, my wife calls them, you know, yeah, crazy that's, ideas. That's... <laughs> <laughs> and and how, when, when they don't they work, that's what I call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had a couple that didn't quite get off the ground and, and yeah. now one that you've well, tell us about the ones that didn't work and why they didn't work, and then the one that well, there's, don't. there's some that are still, I guess, conceptual, um, that you know will either take quite a bit of investment to get up and run in, um, and I guess it's just that kind of that risk that goes with that, um, and then you know when when you need um, investment, then you know you're selling some of your business as well. So um, you, I guess you got to decide which one you actually want to do. And um, I did, one of the lessons I learned is that you don't have to do everything straight away. So you can sit on an idea for a while if you want. Obviously, you know, it's best to be, a, you know, first to market. Um, so with an as an entrepreneur with a short attention span, how does that go with you to sit on something for a while? Well, you just move on to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> you just find the next idea. <laughs> So the ideas are coming, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Got that, a couple that's of the problem. The yeah. ideas, <laughs> the there. ideas keep coming. Um, so we did, um, we did invest in one, and we did, um, I guess, semi-launch one, um, which was we built a online platform um, for 
sole traders for individual business owners in the home services sector. So gardening, um, cleaning, window washing, car detailing, that type of thing. So instead of them, I guess, having to join a franchise, that they could join, I guess, a subscription model um, and be able to get all of their training done online. They were still able to get um, supplier benefits um, and discounts that you would get with a franchise system. Um, we also had um, a client management system as well. So we kind of built an online platform for what you would ultimately get for a franchise, but as a subscription model. So you could leave whenever you wanted to as well. Um, and, and how did that go? Um, it, it, still going. It's still going. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, it pretty much closed down now. The, the platform still lives, um, especially in my heart. Um, but the developing tech, de yeah, new, new skill set for you. It did was you get some results though. I mean, how many signups did you? We get? didn't. I, look, I I don't think we launched it as well as what we could have. I think we at that point, you know, it was still COVID. We were kind of mindful of you know, how much money do you throw at something before you don't think it's going to work? Mm -hmm. um, so we, yeah, we built it, we soft launched, and then we put the pin in it and we parked it. Right. And it's still parked. Um, and then, but out of that, developed your uh, yeah, business so, that you've got? Yeah, so um, I guess after that, um, a few things kind of changed. Uh, personally anyway, so I'm now a single parent. Um, so I had to find, I guess, in the early days of that, find a way of still making an income, being two days a week at Spud Bar um, and having my kids 50% of the time. Uh, so, you know, school drop-offs, school pick-ups, mm -hmm. play dates, all, all of that still lives in my world. Um, so out of... I guess all of that um, came some opportunities um, where I could write operations manuals for businesses that want to franchise. Uh, obviously, I understand the franchising code of conduct fairly well. Um, and you love school, so I love writing, writing yeah. um, <laughs> manuals. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think I've you know I've come from McDonald's, which is very systemized. So I, I understand systems at their, at their fullest, um, but also understand what it takes to get a startup up. Mm -hmm. But you also going from um, McDonald's to Spud Bar, which was very entrepreneurial and, and stuff to understand the benefits of the systems, but also how yeah. to bring, you, you don't have to have a full system. You can, you can pick good bits. I know, you know, I describe Spud Bar often as it's a bit lighter touch in terms of franchise because you're not trying to make them do every single thing all of the yeah. time like Maccas do. Um, and so you can use that knowledge in writing manuals for particular franchisors to work out how much, how the system will apply in practice to their, to their business. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, giving them, I guess, some guidance on yeah, how do they want to manage their franchisees and making sure that you know, the, the franchise agreement supports that, but also the operations support that as well. Because, mm. um, you know, you can go into any business and write the operations manual on, you know, best best case scenario, but if they're not going to enforce that and follow that, then the operations manual is just useless. So let's write one that's going to be useful for everyone in the business. 
And the business in that, so you're getting some clients, I know, so, it's, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. So you're having some success. and I am having yeah. some success. Yeah. It's, um, it's been, yeah, it's, it's good because I've been able to work from home um, on those days that I, I do all my writing. Um, and then, you know, spud bar a couple of days a week. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, another project uh, we're launching in the next month or so as well. You had to talk about that. Um. Probably. <laughs> we're going to be at the um, the National Franchise Conference. Okay. Right. So we're, we've built um, an online training platform for franchising courses. So franchise-specific, customised courses for franchisors and franchisees. To do what? So say for franchisees, um, it's a lot of, I guess, their basic business courses that, um, I guess, from my experience, when someone comes into a franchise, depending, I guess, the franchise and the level of their own education, you know, they may not know what a BAS is or what HR compliance actually looks like. And um, what I found in, I guess, the, the systems that I've worked in is that they don't actually get those training. They'll get an operations manual and a franchise agreement to say, you need to read these codes of conduct and you need to understand this, but sometimes a, a little bit more supported online training can kind of go a long way, I guess, with those, especially with those systems that, you know, say Spudbar is the only full-time employee. I can't go out and train everyone in HR compliance mm. um, all the time. So, um, you know, HR, local area marketing is another one. You know, franchisors always kind of wish that their franchisees knew more or were better at. And what I've learned is that sometimes when it comes from a third party, a franchisee will listen to the information a little bit more than when it comes from the franchisor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we're the third party. Um, you know, it could be an on um, an onboarding course. So, uh, you know, does the franchisee actually understand what the franchise agreement is and what the operations manual is and how is this relationship, you know, how do you work with your franchisor and what does that relationship look like and how much power do you have and... Um, so they're generic courses or are they tailored to... They're tailored for franchising. Right. So, you know, in the local area marketing one, it might have something on social media, but it will say, depending on your franchise agreement, you might not be able to have your own Facebook page or you may be able to have your own Facebook page. This is something that you need to know. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, a generic business course would say, go, go out and get a Facebook page and then you could be in breach of your franchise agreement. Yeah. So it's... That's yeah, good. Good on you. Very, yeah, very customised. Very good. Seems to be a lot around paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. Sucker for punishment, I guess. <laughs> and so you, um, a lot of the people that we work with are emerging franchisors, which, you know, Spud Bar's right in the middle of that. And yeah. is it, have you, what sort of tips have you got for franchisors that are developing their business and growing their business and know, to, to really scale it to the next level? Um, I think it is as much advice as you can. Um, you know, talk to other franchise systems, um, go, you know, go to the FCA events, go, you know, just research as much as you can, um, get advice and just, I guess, treat people, treat your franchisees the ways that you'd want to be treated as a business owner. You know, they need support. They need hand-holding. They're not going to understand everything. Um, but you just, I don't know, you, you just have to be there for them. I know that sounds really soppy. But, um, you know, it, it, your 
if you're starting a franchise, they're starting a franchise too um, as a franchisee. So mm-hmm. I think you just, you know, really need to um, under, understand what they know and what they don't know and really help them with that. Um, but, you know, if you're starting your own franchise, just keep going. You, you're not going to have all the answers to start with, um, but just keep moving forwards. Um, and you'll learn along the way. Good idea. And uh, I think that the you know the role of the franchisee franchisor relationship is really you know it's great that making sure that your franchisees are successful and how can you support them and and you guys are doing that well. So the the fact that you've got multi unit franchisees at, at Spud Bar and you know people looking for another s- site. Yeah. Um, that's a great su- sign of success for your we business. We were kind so. of, yeah, we were interested to see, I guess, what came out of COVID and, you know, how your franchisees feeling and the fact that we came out of COVID and we had four franchisees going, all right, we want our second store. Oh, we want our third store. And we're like, okay, we must have done something really good during COVID yeah, times right. because they still believe in the brand. Yeah. And as long as they keep believing in the brand, then you've got a brand. And you just went over to IFA to Las Vegas for party. I mean, for research. Sorry, back. Um, so, you know, how did you? What did you learn about you know what's going on globally from your time at IFA? Um, I definitely learnt that um, free pouring vodka is <laughs> not, not <a> <laughs> something idea. that I can on manage night, on night one. <laughs> on night one, <laughs> scary. I don't recommend that. Yeah, you, um, Kate didn't get a lot out of day two. <laughs> Just some life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> nice takeaway. Look, I, um, America's, I found really interesting with, you know, they can have a brand that have 500 units and still be in one state. Whereas we have 500 units in Australia. That's, your Australia is done. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's no, there's you're no one the left. You're the fifth biggest franchise yeah. in the country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and their compliance is a lot different. To, to what ours is over here. Like obviously, we're a lot more compliant. So, um, you know, some some of the things that they can do, um, I kind of went, oh, I wish I could do that. But, um, yeah, just with, with the compliance. It's just, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's just a completely different beast. Um, do they do it well? They seem to. I guess, you know, I'm only talking to franchisors over there, mm. um, not the franchisees. So from the franchisor point of view, you know, they're all doing pretty well um i would i would love to actually you know speak to the franchisees to see how they're feeling because sometimes you know when there's less compliance um you know there's a few you know other issues that can come mm. from that so it'd be interesting to see you know they may have 500 units but how many of them are happy and um and doing well so it's yeah it's just it just it was completely different it was completely different i felt I re- when we first bought Michelle's, we, there were 16 stores and two of them, the, you know, cakes and pies and coffee, and two of them were selling alcohol out of there as well. That's, that was a nice, diverse <laughs> start to it. Um, there, uh, you know, during your time, I'm just interested at, at, at FCA and you're in contact with quite a few franchisors. How would you rate the quality of our franchisors in Australia for the ones that you met, I suppose, came across? I'd, I'd rate them quite highly, um, but I would say, you know, the, the ones that are investing their time and money to go over to America to, to learn, they're probably mm. going to be the good ones anyway. Um, it might be, you know, some of the ones back home 
that should be going over or, you know, should be attending uh, more things like, you know, the, the franchise registry came out and there's so many brands on there that you never, you know, you never heard of or mm. are just not part of the franchising community um, that they're the ones that kind of worry me. I think they're the ones that um, might need, you know, some more education and support and it'd be interesting to, you know, again, to see what their franchisees think. But yeah, the, the quality of franchisors that went over to IFA was, yeah, really, I was quite impressed with. You obviously think that we don't do enough as an industry if you're setting up a, a training platform mm. to train franchisors or, or yeah, train franchisors and, and franchisees. Yeah. What else can we do apart from what you're doing? Because they're, they're, we're just doing some analysis at the moment about multi-retailers that are out there that have got two or three stores and we've got a bit of a bet going as to how many there's going to be and I bet there's going to be a lot. Yeah. So how do we get it across to them to to say right? Well, let's let's grow your business. Let's take you two or three to thirty or forty or fifty. Um, how do we do that in your eyes? I think it really depends on who the owner is of those two or three. So some two and threes, they're happy. Mm. That's just you know, they're, they're, there's no risk. As is their lot. Yes. Their want. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're they're happy in life. So. It's, yeah, I guess getting to those ones that have the drive um, and I find the ones that have the drive, they're the ones that will step forwards. Mm. So it's not always, I guess, going out hunting for them, but being open for them for when they do step forwards and I guess having something there that they can, that they can look at doing. And, you know, I guess we looked at education. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when, if I was a business owner, and I was like, how I need, I want to grow. How do I do that? I'm either going to look for an advisor. I'm going to look for education. I'm going to look for membership somewhere. Um, so I think being one of those three um, and, you know, really marketing and pushing yourself to be out there. I think that's how, that's how they're going to find you when they're, when they're ready to take that step. Cause yeah, otherwise their risk prof profile is so low mm. that they're, they'll, you know, you could go after them, but you're never going to get them anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Kate, for telling us your effing story. Um, <laughs> you've done exceptionally well. That was growing, the PG you know, version. From the, from the kid who dropped out of school at 15 from Endeavour Hills. <laughs> I didn't drop out. I finished. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was asked <laughs> to drop out. Oh, yeah, sorry. Thanks for but clarifying. Two big, two big highlights of being taller than a brother <laughs> and, and getting a better result. <laughs> Thank you. Well, awesome. okay. Thanks, guys. Take care.